be somewhat a little different than we normally do. I hope there will be some preaching in it. We'll just have to wait and see what the Lord has for us. But this is an anniversary service, and it's important to those of us, especially in this church, and those who have been with us for a number of years. Uh, So we are glad to have you here today, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, please, to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. The book of Numbers, chapter number 14, verses 26 through 35. Numbers 14, verses 26 through 35. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, As you've spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell with therein, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness." After the number of days in which you search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it. This evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness, they shall be consumed and there shall they die. The number 40. 40 is a greatly used number in the Bible. Whether it be 40 days or 40 years. In Hebrew numerics, the number 40 means probation, testing, and trial. The Hebrew language is very unique within itself because numbers mean things. For instance, in Hebrew, the number one is the number for God. That's God's number. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. There are no other numbers that are needed to prop up that number one. Number one is God. The number two is the number of witness. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Number three is the number, of course, of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
Number four is the number of the earth. We have four major directions, east, west, north, and south. And other numbers, four is appropriate to describe the earth. Number five, do you know what that number is? It's a number of grace. The number of grace. Number six is the number of man. If you are a student of the book of Revelation, you find out that the Antichrist will be numbered six, six, six. That's man at his worst. Number seven is the number of completion. There are seven days in a week, seven basic notes in accord. And then the number 12 is the number of government. Jacob had 12 sons. The entire nation of Israel is embodied in those 12 sons. However, the number of 40, 40 is the number of probation, testing, and trial. Sometimes that testing and trial results in something good. It results in victory. It results in overcoming. Other times it results in defeat and sadness and being cut off. Examples of the number 40. Let me just quickly run down a few of these to show you that there are many times in your Bible where 40 is used. It rained how long? 40 days. And forty nights in the flood. The spies were in the land of Canaan. Forty days. Jonah gave Nineveh forty days to repent. He said, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overturned. Christ was tested after forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. David was king over Israel for forty years. Moses, most interesting character in the Old Testament. Moses lived in Egypt for 40 years. And then he moved into the desert and lived in the desert for 40 years. And he moved out of the desert into the wilderness to lead God's people for 40 years. And he died at the age of 120 The example of Moses directs us to our text this morning in Numbers 14.34 again, which says this, And the number of the days in which you searched the land, even forty days each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. Let's begin by looking a little bit at the story of these 12 spies that were sent out to spy the land of Canaan. God had already previously promised that Israel would have Canaan as their homeland, and at this point in time Moses sends out 12 spies to spy out the land. Sometimes a good method of Bible study is ask the question and find the answer for it. And then ask another question and find the answer for it. Who were these spies? In Numbers chapter number 13, one chapter over from where we were reading a moment ago, look at it. Question number one, who were the spies? 
In verse verse 1 of chapter 13, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. In other words, the people were to select 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's what you find in the following verses of chapter number 13. For instance, verse 4. These were the names of the tribe of Reuben. And it lists the man who was one of the spies, Shamua. Verse 5. From the tribe of Simeon, there would be Shaphath. Verse 6, from the tribe of Judah, there would be Cable, or Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And it goes all the way down to verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Second question, what was their assignment? What were they called on to do? Very important. In verses 17 through 20, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that they dwell in, whether they live in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Another question is, what was their report after being 40 days in Canaan spying out the land? What was their report? That takes us back over, well, in chapter 13, verse 25, for instance. Verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Let's pick up with verse number 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, that's another word for but. Watch out for those buts in the Bible. Everything going fine. But. We're just glad to have you here today. But. Watch it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled, and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. But notice that Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. That leads us, my dear friends, to their report. Ten spies voted to stay out of Canaan. 
ten spies said, Moses, it would be better for us to go a different direction. We can't cope with these giants. We're like little grasshoppers in their sight, and we just don't believe that God would have us do this, although God had already told Moses that's what was going to happen. That's very important. Ten spies said no. They let the majority rule. Sometimes the majority can be wrong. Sad, sometimes the majority can be wrong. We're suffering today at the worst president that God Almighty ever put into office. Name is Joe Biden, and the majority of the people put him in by hook or crook. Now, if you don't like that, see me after church, we'll talk about it. But what I'm saying is, ten spies voted to stay out of Canaan, but there were two young men, Joshua and Caleb. They said, let's go in there and clean them out. Let's go take the land. Now, what was God's judgment for the negative voting of the people Notice in Numbers chapter 14, verses 26 through 35. And those are the verses that we read. And you see what they said about it, but what did God say that He would do about it in the 14th chapter, verse number 34, after the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, you will bear your iniquities. And 40 years, you'll know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed and there they shall die. What was the judgment of God? What was the result? It was failure for the adult Israelites who were living at that time. Except Joshua and Caleb, all of the adult population of Israel would go into the wilderness and they would stay in the wilderness for 40 years until every one of them died. Some 1,200,000 died as a result of God's judgment on them. They never got to enter into Canaan. The children under 20 had to wait 40 years before they could ever enter into the land of promise called Canaan. So much for the Israelites and the 40 years and what that 40 years meant to them. We're celebrating today 41 years of anniversary here as a church. Grace Baptist Church in Tyler. The beginning of Grace Baptist Church is a story of how two Baptist churches got married and came together as one Baptist church. Now, our members who've been with us for a long time are familiar with this because when anniversary time comes up, we usually recall some of these events. I don't want it to be boring to you, but we have some folk here who are new members of our church and they've never heard of this before, they would be interested in knowing a little bit of history about their church. Few churches today share in becoming a church by using such an origin as two churches getting married and becoming one church. This is where and how our church came to be. Would you listen once again to some history 
In November of 1979, a group of people began showing an interest in starting another Baptist work in West Tyler. The Union Hall, across from Kelly Springfield, of course that's no longer owned by Kelly Springfield, but back then, the Union Hall across from Kelly Springfield on the Chandler Highway was secured as a Sunday meeting place. On Sunday, December the 30th, 1979, the Rolling Hills Baptist Church was chartered with 51 members calling Dan Cozart to be their pastor. Gene Ramsey was the music director. Marriages arise out of a need. The Patton Lane Baptist Church was pastorless at the time and thus they needed a pastor. The Rolling Hills Baptist Church had the pastor, but they needed the space. Rolling Hills had the pastor, Patton Lane had the facilities. (laughs) In October of 1980, Brother Cozart contacted Brother Merle McCoy about the possibility of a church merger. Brother McCoy suggested that Brother Luther Hanna be contacted. He was a deacon at the Patton Lane Baptist Church. Contact was made, and it was decided to come together for a discussion of the matter. Brother Hannah was a great influence in leading the Patton Lane Church in this new direction. A special meeting was held with the leadership from both churches to consider a possible merger. In perfect agreement, a time was set when both churches would meet and act upon this proposal. The marriage took place on November the 2nd, 1980, on Sunday morning at the Patton Lane Baptist Church Auditorium. The merged church would retain the name of Patton Lane Baptist Church. Both groups would equally merge into one body, and Dan Cozart would be called as pastor. Each church group met separately in order to voice their vote about this matter. We then brought both groups together, and both groups voted unanimously in favor of the proposal. Within a few days, the church government and organizational structure was set in order. Roger Johnson became the music director. Bill Perry was installed as treasurer. Crystal Johnson was installed as clerk, and Norma Keeler, who has long since gone on to be with the Lord, was hired as the musician. During the first ten years, the Lord gave 53 professions of faith and baptism, and 69 joining the church by letter or statement, giving a total of 122 additions to this new church. Let me share quickly just a few highlights. The pastor and church began to embrace the doctrines of grace in 1983. It came to this pastor through men who had worked with me and talked with me and prayed for me about how God saves sinners And God had been working on my heart for a long time. 
but I still wanted to justify the Lord. The Lord just wouldn't go out and elect a certain amount of people. A little free will was in that, but God burned all of that out. One Sunday morning, I was in a car, an automobile in Houston, Texas, with these preachers, and they were still working on me to convert me. And they said, Brother Cozart, could we ask you one more question? And I said, just one more. That's all, just one more. What is a sheep before he's saved? What is a sheep before he's saved? And I advertised my ignorance. I said, well, it'd have to be a goat. He said, it's a biological nightmare. No goat ever produces a sheep. And all of a sudden, the light in that car got brighter and brighter and brighter. And I could almost hear the Lord speak. I laid down my life for the sheep. Folk, God never died and sent his son to die for a bunch of goats. He died for his sheep, and every one of those sheep for whom he died will be brought in. We started a tape ministry back in July 1984. I don't know how old you are. That may sound a little antiquish. A tape ministry. Church has 1,900 catalog tapes already in our library, and nobody wants them. In keeping with Grace Ministry, the name of the church was changed in July 1986 to Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. A new location and building for the church was purchased for $270,000 in April of 1988 at 2929 West Northwest Loop 323 in Tyler. That's clear on the other side of town. The name Sovereign was dropped from the church's name, making it Grace Baptist Church. We felt compelled to do that because, number one, there had been another church in the area that was going by that name, and we didn't want two Grace Baptist churches. Another thing is one of our creditors sent us a bill for some merchandise which we bought, and they sent it to Souvenir Baptist Church. Souvenir Baptist Church. I said, got to do some of this sovereignty. These people are ignorant when it comes to sovereignty. And so we had to drop sovereignty. Just Grace Baptist Church. The church sold its property on Northwest Loop 323 and moved into the woman's building located on South Broadway. This was done in December of 1996. Office space was leased at the same time on West Front Street. The church moved into its new building facilities on 5512 Old Jacksonville Highway in February of 1999. Just a brief budget contrast. In 1981, when the church was established, the annual budget was $23,000. In the year 2000, the annual budget was $138,000. And in 2021, our annual budget is $278,000. The Lord is blessed in so many, many ways. 
Now, since moving into this building in February of 1999, I want to spend the rest of the time, which really, <clears throat> this o'clock, <laughs> it says 1238. I'm always late, keeping you late, but we hadn't changed the time on this yet. Still about 7 o'clock in the morning, all right, put that down. Since moving into this building, February 1999, we have had many wonderful services. Spirit-filled services. Services where members would walk out the door and say, It was good to be in the house of the Lord today. And God has been so good in these wonderful, uplifting services. And a people that were united and pulled together and wanted to do God's will about the whole matter. We had so many wonderful services. We've had hundreds of visitors. I've often said, maybe a little jokingly, we've had more visitors than we've had members. I mean, visitors from all over everywhere have come to this church. And some have come back. And some didn't come back. But visitors... We had to add an educational building to our present building here, which is now the educational building and fellowship hall. If you've been with us for any length of time and were with us at that time, whenever we had a meal, whenever we had a Bible conference, whenever we had a meal, we had it in the coffee room, which is the coffee room now. But back then, it wasn't a thing in the world, but just fellowship hall. Just a little small area back there where the men come on Sunday morning. We drink coffee. We have a little fellowship. And we'd have the meal for the whole church in that one area back there. We'd pack it out. I mean pack it out. They'd come out into the hallways with their plates, eating food out in the hallway. We didn't have enough room. And then, of course, we added the educational building and, and the Fellowship Hall, marvelous building back here. And it's been utilized, believe me. And we've had so many wonderful Bible conferences. Amen. Apart from a, a couple of calamities that took place, apart from the, and I'll mention those two things in just a moment. We've been having Bible conferences every year. We've been in here. Before we ever moved here, we were have, we've had 24 Bible conferences, annual Bible conferences, bringing in preachers from all over everywhere to preach to Grace Baptist Church. And we have seen time after time during those conferences, the building actually packed and people were rejoicing in the Lord. I tell you, God has been so good to this church in so many, many ways. We take pictures annually of the speakers and I tell you it breaks my heart when I look at some of those preachers who've now gone on to be with the Lord and uh, they don't do Bible conferences anymore all right we've had many wonderful Bible conferences we've had many record breaking attendances this auditorium has been filled before filled filled before 
And we've also added the live internet services that allow us to preach worldwide the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This program today is being aired all over the world. God has been so good to Grace Baptist Church. We have had to face two major setbacks. Number one, and if this bothers you, just tighten your seatbelt. The China virus, all right? That's where it came from. And uh, this was not just to be located in Texas or in the United States. It swept and has swept throughout the entire world. Just recently, numbers were released that the COVID-19 has killed 5 million people worldwide. And a million of those believe it goes to the United States. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And it is still in progress today. There are people who do not know whether they should wear a mask or not wear a mask. There are people that say, well, should I be vaccinated or should I not be vaccinated? And it just goes on and on and on. Still in progress today. Number two, this Second setback was the snow and ice storm that took place and in process of taking place on Valentine's Day of February, this past February. I have never seen such a storm in my life as it hit Tyler, Texas and read about other areas that were affected by it. It did over $100,000 worth of damage to Grace Baptist Church. It's a lot of money, a lot of damage. And uh, we have never recovered completely from that. This is our 41st anniversary, 41 years we're still trying to recuperate. I regret to say, and this is not to put a damper on this service, I appreciate your spirit so much today. And I appreciate your presence so much today. I regret to say that our love for the Lord and this church is less than it was when we first began. When we first began, I've never seen such excitement. Everybody was full of excitement. When we first began, there was a lot of sacrifice that had to be from the people, and they made the sacrifices. When we first began, there was commitment the entire church at that time committed to themselves Grace Baptist Church 
and what God had in store for us and the attendance. All of the members came. The pews were filled. The attendance was spectacular. I say that it's had these two things have had a bearing on this church, but not just this church. Many of our churches today are suffering from this in the same basic way that we have suffered and are suffering from it. Some churches are having to disband because of low attendance and interest. Their attendance went down, 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 and they didn't have enough people left to supply the money to keep the doors open. We've had 40 years of victory. They've been 40 years of testing, yes. 40 years of trial, yes. But 40 years of victory. Let us not go down in defeat in 40 plus 1. Churches thrive on good attendance. Churches suffer on poor attendance. I have believed since the Lord saved me and since he called me to preach 67 years ago that you can measure a Christian by his love and attendance and support of his church. The church has become optional and that's bad. The church is not optional. The church is essential. It is the only stronghold we have left to publish the truth of God. It's the church. And if you are a member of this church, I want you to take heart that though we might be tried in this area, and we are tried, And it breaks my heart because of it. It doesn't have to stay that way. We had a small number of people this morning, small in comparison to the attendances we've had in times past, had a small attendance of people this morning. Where are our people? Where are the members of this church? where are many of those who were with us and they've seen God work in unusual ways, miraculous ways, but now interest have come into the picture. Some people are afraid to come back because of COVID-19 or something else. I want you to take this message to heart, dear friend, that we can have more people than we've been having lately. This church can be filled again And it wouldn't take long if every member began to reevaluate their love and devotion to their church. How are we going to do that? Well, here's the formula. Forty years plus one 
What is the number 40? It is a time of testing. It is a time of deliberation. It is a time of trial. But wait a minute. What's the number one? God Almighty. And if we can take our 40, if we can take our 40 years of victory and say, plus God Almighty, He's going to be the one we listen to. He's going to be the one we follow. The better days of this church are ahead. I believe that with all of my heart. Nehemiah, and I do love Nehemiah, the children of Israel were taken into 70 years of bondage. And you know why they were? Two reasons why. Number one, they stopped going to church. Number two, they started worshiping idols. It's amazing the correlation there. One almost leads to the other. And God told Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the house of God and the work of God. And Nehemiah gathered the people together and the king of Greece gave him the monetary funds to do this, to go back to Jerusalem And Nehemiah got all the people together and on the first day they were to rebuild and start rebuilding. Nehemiah said, and I quote, We will not forsake the house of the Lord. We may do some other things that are bad, but we're not going to forsake the house of the Lord. I hope and pray that God might be with us in a very definite way as we continue to be led by the Holy Spirit in what we believe and what we teach in this church. And I do hope and pray we have better days ahead because nothing thrills the heart of any pastor than to stand up on Sunday morning and see a church full of people. When we had the COVID virus thing, we just had to shut down. I think, was it 10 weeks, Brother Johnson? Uh, Brother Roger and I, we came, and Jonathan was our sound man back there, still with us, but he came, he handled the sound, and Brother Roger stood up here and did a little music. Nobody was here but us, just the three of us. And for 10 weeks, we preached to empty pews, Terry's story, by the way, he wanted to see what that was like to come to church when only the music director and the preacher showed up. He was sitting back there, and he said, you know, this has been a wonderful service. And there was nobody here but Terry and Roger and myself and Jonathan for 10 weeks. There's something better than preaching to an empty church. Yeah, it's a full church. May God bless you for being here today. It's been such a joy and a delight to have you. Let's have prayer.